All right, so review from last week. Last week was the Passover. Um, So God commanded them to do a bunch of crazy things like kill a lamb and put the lamb above their doorpost and take part in a really specific meal that all symbolized basically their their leaving from Egypt. Oh, I wonder if this is her. Or someone right now. They're leaving from them. Oh, oh no, Kayla's on vacation. She's in Florida. She's in Florida. And she told me that her Airbnb has bed bugs. Oh! Yeah, so she's they're staying in somebody's apartment that they're friends with. Yeah, I felt so bad for her. I know. Um, but anyway, back on track. Um, the Passover um, was meant to symbolize just... Jesus, right? It's just meant to symbolize the gospel because the blood of the lamb covered the doorpost of anyone who had faith and God um, entrusted his word. Um, they put that blood over their, their lamppost and when the spirit of God came over Egypt, um, anyone that had that blood was saved from the wrath of God. But anyone who didn't, their firstborn son passed away. And so that included Pharaoh. That's what gets to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's hard, hard heart is softened, and he says, get your people out of here, basically. So the people have left, and it's this joyous exodus from Egypt, and the people of Israel are basically just skipping out. Two million people are, have found their freedom, and it's, it's awesome. Um, so this week, we're covering chapters 13 and 14. Um, and the Israelites, um, have been freed, um, but they're still the people of God and God still has a plan for them. Um, and so he's leading them out of Egypt and they're going through the wilderness right now and they're about to come to the Red Sea. Um, so this is where they pause. Um, and because God is all about his glory, like we talked about this Sunday, he's going to do something that might look confusing to us, uh, but it's all for his glory. Um, so let's go ahead and look at chapter 13 together. I still have to turn there. All right, chapter 13. Um, So the first two verses of chapter 13, basically, I'll just read them because there are only two verses. Um, The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborns. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of the man and of beast, is mine. Um, So what does it mean to consecrate? Consecrate. Concentrate. Concentrate. Yeah, yeah, it's like... Like a an gift. Offering. Yeah, an offering to set apart. It's kind of... You want to say something? No, I'm lost. Oh. Keep talking. You're, okay. Um, so they wanted... So you know all the Egyptians, when, when the Spirit of God came over the land of Egypt, he took the firstborns. And so now he's saying to the Hebrew people, your firstborns were saved, so dedicate them to me. And the firstborns at this time, it's not really the case anymore, but the firstborns like took the inheritance of the family, right? And so the firstborns represented the family a lot of the time. Um, so by setting apart the firstborn, the family was saying, our family belongs to the Lord. We are dedicating our firstborn child to the Lord. This family belongs to the Lord. Um, so God always demands the first fruits of our lives. So like he wants us to tithe. He wants us to give him his... give him our best and so by saying give me your firstborn he's saying give me your best show me that you're dedicated to me and that's what they do they consecrate their firstborn so they set apart the firstborn for the lord um so yeah it's just this symbol that they were saved so now they belong to the lord which just represents us right because we were saved from our sins and now we consecrate our lives to the lord our lives belong to god we say lord thank you so much for saving me my whole life is indebted to you does that make sense? Are you lost anymore, Maddie? No, that makes sense. Perfect. That was the goal. <laughs> so, like, when they say consecrate, do they just say, like, this is my firstborn? And, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, sacrifice? No, no. They definitely didn't. Okay, I'm going to dedicate. Like, so, if, like, you, if you were doing this, right, you'd be like, okay, Lord, I'm going to be giving you 10% of my paycheck every single time I get it. This is for you. I am giving it to you. Or, Lord, I... When you, I pray this every night, <laughs> Lord, I give my kids to you. They are I'm raising them for you. They are for you. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're going to do with them, I pray that you start it now in our family or whatever, right? You, it's just a very, very specific dedication yeah. to that. And it, there could have been a ceremony, but it doesn't mean that you, like, slaughter your firstborn. No. No. Also to consecrate it to God. No. Yeah, that's not, okay. that was not what happened. That would be terrible okay. if that's what happened. But I was going to say, my translation says dedicate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that that's a good word, and easier to pr- pronounce for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I keep saying <laughs> out loud, concentrate. concentrate. Please concentrate hey, your firstborn to the Lord. Investigatable. Investigable. It's investigable. But we kept saying investigable. Oh my gosh, what am I saying? Investigatable? What was you, the word that's not how you say it. I was just thinking about that. Oh, investable. Um, Invest, it's like, it says investigatable. Uh, Carpitamalize. Yes, Straight across from each other, we're like carpinimalize, yeah, carpinimalize. Can that be the title of this? Carpinimalize. I can't say it. When we were little, we put together like a whole sentence of the words my little sister can't say. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. Anyways, anyway. Consecrate. Consecrate. All right, we did the first three verses. Oh yeah, this is be the best lesson ever. Um, all right, so uh, chapter thirteen, three to three through ten. This is describing the feast of unleavened bread. So this would kind of be celebrated along with the Passover, and it's all about not putting leaven in your bread, which is yeast. So who remembers why they were commanded not to put yeast in the bread? Maddie. Takes too long. Yeah, why did it take too long? Like, why was that not? They need to rush. Yeah. God. <laughs> they needed the rush. Rush. <laughs> <laughs> rush. Rush. <laughs> rush. Yeah. So this is a meal that that was just a remembrance um, of their time of how God brought them out of Egypt very quickly. Um, well, I guess like the whole time was very long, but as soon as Pharaoh gave up, the people were gone quickly. Um, so there's like lots of celebrations, um, memorials that revolve around food. What are some things that you guys can think of celebrations that a lot of people come to that food is involved? Coffee conversation. <laughs> ah, the most important celebration of them all. <laughs> Coffee conversations. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Literally every single thing. Even funerals. Like you go to a funeral and then they have a close family meal afterwards. Um, so it's like good celebrations and really like hard celebrations of like celebrations of life revolve around food. Why do you guys think that food? Like, why does food bring people together? Because we all need it and we all like it. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone who doesn't like food. And if they don't like food, then yeah. problem. Yeah, when they're girls tell me, they're like, I just don't like food. I'm like, mm, you got an issue. Everyone <laughs> likes food. I mean, <laughs> 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 this might sound silly, too, but sometimes eating in front of somebody can be vulnerable. Yeah. yeah we don't think about it like that. Yeah. But like, yeah. If we go, like, way, way back to, like, you know, I don't know. It's just it just can be a vulnerable experience. Oh, for and sure. This day and age, not as much, but still. I feel like I definitely feel that like, like when you're out to dinner with someone you've never like you don't really know, you're like, oh, I'll get the soup and, you know, like. <laughs> Vulnerability always brings people together. Yeah. So yeah, I for sure. I'm a loud chewer, mm-hmm. and so I'm nervous. Whenever I eat anything in a group of any people, I'm like, you're chewing. I'm never, who told you that you're a loud chewer? Uh, my sister my entire life was like, you're chewing so loud. And at first I was like, okay, you're just annoyed. Yeah. But then David is like, Your spouse always thinks you chew loud. It's okay. Well, he does, but he was like, no, for Andrea, you are the loudest chewer I've ever. And Aww. you know David, Aww. he was so very honest. And I was like, really? And he was like, yes. I was eating like kettle cooked potato chips once, and he was like, "You chewing kettle," and I was like, "What?" And then he chewed once, like that doesn't bother me. And he goes, "Yeah, well, you're just so loud." But okay, your spouse always thinks that you chew loud because you they're just your spouse. Like Luke, Luke thinks I chew loud. Yeah, maybe we just chew loud and everybody eat together, eat right now. Yeah, Yeah, everyone, we're gonna investigate the chewing. It is a very vulnerable thing, Mm -hmm. so if you just share. Whatever that vulnerability is. Yeah. With people. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Yeah, food is this thing that brings us together, and it's also, it helps us remember. Like, we all have those, like, family recipes where it's, like, like our Nana yeah. makes amazing guacamole. That's, like, every time I see guacamole, I think of Nana. Or, like, I don't know. I don't know if you, any of you guys have, like, um, 
like family recipes that like really like they're at every Thanksgiving or they're at every Christmas and it's like I'm so excited like Maddie makes chocolate lasagna and it's like I'm so excited for chocolate lasagna and every time I eat chocolate lasagna I just think of the well and like all the people at the well and so like food is supposed to like help us remember so God tells them to have this feast so they can remember what he's done for them because he knows how he wired human beings he wired them to need food to like food to enjoy eating food with people they love and he said okay now remember me in this um so just a reminder that food is good that use it to gather together to serve others to enjoy one another it's this amazing common grace that God gives us um and he's very smart in the way that he does things and he purposely gave us food for a reason Um, so let's read verses seven through 10 together. I'll read them for us. Um, actually eight through 10. Um, you shall tell your son on that day. It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt and it shall be to you a sign on your, on your hand. And as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth for with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep the statue and it's appointed time from year to year. Um, so, um, if you're a note taker, underlining your Bible, you shall tell your son on that day. Um, so God is saying that it is so important that you make sure you take this feast of unleavened bread, um, this time of remembrance, and you make sure you use it to tell the younger generation why you're doing it. Tell them of the great things that I did for you. Tell them that I brought you out of Egypt. So this shows us that it is so important to teach kids about God. It's so important to teach kids about Jesus. And it's so important to tell them about what God has done in our life. Um, and I wanted to get a perspective from a mom. So Andrea, I'm so Uh-oh. glad that you're here. I was going to ask you and Caitlin, um, but like, what does this mean for you to make sure that little Luke and baby like remembers and knows who Jesus is? I, it's the most important thing. Mm. I mean, I, Jesus has done so much in my life. I would be a fool not to want my kid to enjoy that. Mm. But, I mean, he's huge. Like, he died on the cross. Like, um, everything that makes us cry about the Lord, everything that we look at in the Bible, and we're like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. And he loves me. Like, I feel that love. Oh, my kids would feel that love. And it's so important to pass it down and to make sure that they know and that they remember and that they... They know the stories, they know the people, and they know the facts, but not only that they know the facts, but that their heart can be moved by them. Mm-hmm. So it's not only teaching my kid, <clears throat> like what it says, tell your son, this is why we do it. It's not only teaching my kid, this is why Noah did this, right? It's, well, where is God's love in that? And, and mm-hmm. telling him the story over and over and over and over and watching his heart be changed by it and watching him run to the corner mm-hmm. in the morning and t- announce loudly <laughs> that he's going to pray. And like, yeah. at, I mean, you see the influence that God has on people when he's in their lives and when he's not. Mm. It's so important to give them God, you know, and especially young kids. Like, I would be a fool to say that anybody who's grown up in a Christian home is always going to stay perfectly aligned with the Lord and is never, that's ridiculous because every kid goes through something or, you know, maybe they don't or but they watch someone, whatever, but if they start their life with the Lord, then if they eventually decide to come to the Lord, it's not new. It's not like this whole new, like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? Like, it's almost a welcome home, welcome back type of thing. Mm. And so for me, telling Luke now, like, even at two years old, we're going to pray and we're going to sing about Jesus and we're going to, you know, all of this. It's so important because it's, that's what the foundation of his life should be. And Looking at my siblings-in-law and all the little ones that that wasn't their foundation Mm. and just seeing what has changed in the way that they are, it's so important Mm. that the first things we want our kids to remember is Jesus. And so when they say things like, tell this to your kids to remember or make sure you're telling your son this, I'm like, okay, what am I... What is that? What do I need to be telling Luke? What do I need to show Luke? Mm. What What are the things that apply to me? Because I don't. We don't do the feast of unleavened bread. We don't do <laughs> these things, right? We don't pass by the rocks at the Red Sea and be like, "This is where God did this big thing." Like, that's not something that we do. And so I'm like, okay, how do I apply the same concept in my life? Where does it match? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because it's so fundamentally important 
for a kid. Because if you've got a brain that grows up around love mm. and grows up knowing what true love is, it's not like Disney true love, like God true love. <laughs> they, they function differently, you know, mm-hmm. than when you're like, well, I'll wait until they, a lot of people believe in an age of understanding, I'll wait until they could understand it. Yeah. No, no, make it the basis on which they mm-hmm. form all of their other understandings, you know? Yeah. That's what I that's what I wanted. You're the one that has the most wisdom on that subject and and the thing is like obviously God is so sovereign. He's the one that like brings those little kids to know the Lord. But like how cool is it? Like like none of us except Andrea, our parents. But we can take this and be like, Okay, I wanna do my best to prepare for that if that's what the Lord has for me. Or be part of like the children's ministry, make sure that like the kids know like exactly who Jesus is. Um so yeah, I just wanted to take a moment, and Andrea said you said all that like perfectly. So <laughs> you taught it in a way I could not teach it. So thank you. <laughs> so yeah, obviously none of us are parents, but that doesn't mean we can't think about those things and prepare for those things. And also, if none of us, if we, as long as it, as long as we are not parents, we have the opportunity to still pour into kids in our churches, in our lives. And I know so many of you guys do that all the time. So I just encourage you to keep doing that because you're doing the right thing. Um, so in verses 11 through 16, it shows us that God expects this tradition to continue even when the people, um, have the promise, um, that God is bringing them into. So when they come to the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, um, the land that they're all looking forward to, even when they're in there, they need to keep doing this feast of unleavened bread. They need to keep doing the Passover. They need to keep remembering and reminding themselves of God. Um, they must remember because they, they are forgetful. We, like hammered this into our heads last week that we are so forgetful that the Israelites are forgetful. We are forgetful. And if we are not constantly reminding ourselves of God, if the Israelites are constantly reminding themselves of God, they will wander and newsflash and kind of spoiler alert. They do wander. They wander really bad and they wander, they come back and they go and then they leave and then they go back and then they leave. They wander so much that God's like, okay, enough. Anybody, we have to wait for the whole generation to (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like their time, their time in the wilderness is like 40 years. Like a long time. Yeah. So, um, and so we are just like the Israelites. We are prone to wander. And every time I think of this, I think of the hymn, um, be thou my vision. And, um, I just love it because I think it puts words to something that is so hard to put words to that, that feeling of always kind of like you want to stay close to the Lord, but you always like are prone to wander. Um, and it says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily. I'm constrained to to be let thy goodness like a fetter anyone know what a fetter is i don't know what a fetter is it's like a boat oh yeah it's the steering in a boat yeah um let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to wander lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love here's my heart oh take and seal it seal it for thy courts above are you guys thinking of rudder uh, because a fetter is a chain or manacle used to restrain a prisoner, typically placed around the ankles. It's what a fetter. <laughs> it's a fetter. A rudder is for a boat. I was like, <laughs> you are right. <laughs> yeah, a fetter, and that would make sense because you're like chaining yourself mm-hmm. to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, isn't that like so beautiful? Every time I hear that song, I just like want to cry because um, it just puts words to my heart that I can't put words to. This constant battle of wanting to wander but wanting to stay and then like taking a day off my devotions and feeling like, oh, my heart is so far off. Um, we don't know what's best for us. We have to, I think of like, you know, like the little kids that you see at the mall who are like, their parents are like literally have them on a leash. <laughs> that That is us with God. Like we, <laughs> if we, if we cut off the leash, we're, we're going to run. Like, we're going to run to something. We're going to make an idol because our hearts are idol-making factories. Like, they'll make an idol like that. Um, and if we aren't tied to the Lord, if we're not like, here, Lord, take the leash and hold me tight. <laughs> like, we're just going to wander away and not like we ever, not like you can, like, lose your salvation. I don't want to say that. But just this constant desire to want to be close to the Lord, to be tethered to him, um, and to not be the little kid that runs away when it's parents accidentally let go of the leash but um so yeah I just think that the Lord drills it into their heads to remember and they don't remember so let's learn from their mistakes and let's remember ourselves um and remind yourself every day of the Lord's faithfulness um and the next part is so powerful I love it so much um verse 17 through 22 describes this pillar of fire that the Lord blessed the Israelites with and the pillar of fire was the Lord's presence 
Where else in the story of Exodus is the presence of God displayed in the fire? The bush. The bush. Oh, yes. Say that. Yeah. So this pillar, this fire, God is constantly giving us this reminder that His presence is like a consuming fire. It consumes us, but He is never consumed. Um, and it, that's so cool. It says it in Hebrews. I don't exactly remember that our God is a consuming fire. Um, so he gives them this pillar of fire that walks with them through the wilderness. It it goes before them. And all they have to do is they just have to keep up behind this pillar. That's all they have to do. Um, and the presence of God is with them. He's protecting them. He's giving them light in the middle of the night. Um, and so, and the first part is kind of weird. I don't know if you guys read it. Um, but basically they take the bones of Joseph, who is a... Yeah. Yeah, did you think that was, that was weird? Yeah, I thought it was weird too. But um, something that you guys can look at during the week if you want to is in Genesis 50, 24 through 25, Joseph's dying words were that his bones would be carried with the people. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it. Oh! <laughs> I was like, is she scared of bones? <laughs> oh, I'm not, you're just not going to ruin anything. We're studying it right now. Yeah, we're studying Joseph right now. It's horror. But yeah, um, sorry, the only spoiler is that Joseph dies. Uh, Which if you didn't know, Joseph was dead. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, basically his dying, part of like him dying, he was like, I want my bones to be carried. I don't know. So you can look that up for yourself. Um, Genesis 50, 24 through 25. And this is just a demonstration that God is faithful, that he's, that Moses is carrying out the bones of Joseph, which is kind of weird to me because I'm like, yeah, like, why do you still have those? Like, yeah. just like bury them or something i don't know um but for some reason god saw it best for that to be fulfilled um but and then verses 21 through 22 is the pillar of fire so i'll read that for us real fast and the lord went before them by day and a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night and a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night the pillar of cloud by day the pillar of fire by night did not depart before the people um, so yeah, this is just the presence of God and we might read this and think, I sure wish I had a cloud leading me and guiding me and that I would always know that God was with me and where to go next. And like, that would be awesome to have a visual representation of, um, of God. Um, but we have something so much better than the cloud, right? We have the indwelling, we have the Bible for sure. And we also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is God's constant presence with us, which Elise did a great job talking about the Holy Spirit on Saturday. If you guys missed it, you should listen to the, to the podcast. It was incredible. Um, and you did such a great job explaining who the Holy Spirit is. And he is the one that lives inside of us, who dwells in us, who convicts us, advocates for us. He's so much better than a pillar of fire because he's that pillar of fire is now in us, right? It's like the presence of God in us. Um, Elise, what would you say is like the biggest thing you've learned about the Holy Spirit in preparing for that lesson? That it's God. (laughs) I mean, I know that like is just like one thing, but it means so many things. Like it means we get to have a relationship with him. We get to follow him. Uh, When we read the Bible, all the promises that are in there are like real Mm -hmm. and like he actually teaches us to trust in those promises and not just read them. That's something yeah. that I've been, like, learning a lot right now. Um, but mainly just that it's, like, a person. Mm-hmm. Like, it's Jesus who, like, walks with us. Yeah. So. That's so cool. And we don't think about it enough. I find myself sometimes calling the Holy Spirit it. And I'm like, no, it's not an it. It's a he. <laughs> He's Jesus. He's God. He's the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so good. So we have something so much better than a cloud. Um, but do you guys ever find yourself wanting something more than the Holy Spirit? Like wishing you had a, a cloud or a person or something? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like a visual sign. Maybe. Maybe. Maddie, you started nodding your head like as soon as I... <laughs> yeah. Why do, you, why do we want that so bad? Why don't we trust that the Holy Spirit is enough? I think I, I think I, uh... Just like a clear answer is just so much clearer. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's just. It's just clearer. Yeah. I think you don't have to think about it yourself and wonder, is this my fleshly desires mm. trying to like come up, or like is this what the Lord is telling me? Yeah. Mm. Like, you don't have to. One. You don't have to like put a lot of thought into it mm. if it's just like there. You're like, oh, yeah. okay, God, thanks. Yeah. But like. Yeah. Because we don't have that clear answer. It's like, oh no, I have to put my fleshly self into it to like 
try to discern it. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just a... You'd think, like, or I think, like, when someone's, like, really, like, in the Lord and, like, living with the Lord, like, you'd think there's not much flesh there, but mm. there still is a lot yeah. of flesh there. I don't know if this yeah. is making any sense. Like, kind of separating what the flesh wants and what the spirit wants. Yeah. 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 And it's, like, if there was a clear answer, we wouldn't have to do that. Mm. Yeah. And I'll kind of play off that, too, because I have a similar experience. Um... Mine, it's like God versus fleshly desires versus anxiety, too. Yeah, yeah. anxiety yeah. speaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when God's like, go do this right now, and you're like, Duh. but what about all the other things that are going to happen if I do it right now? Like, well, tomorrow would be a better decision. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow, you know? yeah. yeah, but also I'm like, is it my anxiety telling me to do this mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. So it's it's all of those mm-hmm. things. So I, yeah. I don't know yeah. what the question yeah. is, but I just... No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. there's I a lot think, of different voices yeah. going on. And it's hard to know. And then, you know, there's that guilt, like, why don't I know? Yeah. And so a clear answer would be... <laughs> so yeah. Well, like, I'm, I'm always like, do I not know because I'm not listening to God? Or have mm-hmm. I gotten in the way? Or am I supposed to be waiting joyfully? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, what am I... Am I have I missed the command to wait joyfully have i missed the answer did i not listen to the right thing like which one am i supposed to be doing here yeah Yeah. and it's like it's hard to discern the voice of god too you know and then sometimes you feel like well i'm just not doing this enough i'm not spending enough time with him Mm -hmm. to know his voice yeah. over my flesh over anxiety yeah Yeah, this is exactly where i was going yeah yeah Yeah. teamwork makes the dream work because I I feel like some of the the job of listening to God's direction for our family is lifted off my shoulders because David is in charge of that like David is supposed to make the big decisions for our family and so like for me I'm like I just need to listen to God about when to do the laundry the dishes and how to feed my kid like this is great I just have to because David's got the big responsibility and so I that's really nice yeah I I struggle with that though. Like, oh my gosh, me too. I, I love struggle to be with it. In charge of things. Oh yeah, I'm like, mm, I know what God's telling us. So back up. Oh, <laughs> I got this. Like every time we have moved since the first one, not the first one, but every time it's been like, one day we decide, okay, we need to find a new place, and we need to find the new place by the next weekend or something where we have to like have all the things and I'm like are you crazy what are you doing this is nothing <laughs> but I say that about all the things God does in the Bible I'm mm-hmm. like God is so radically and I'm, just, I'm like well if it's this if it's gonna work out it's gonna be God so David must be listening well and I just need to get out of the way because I'm nuts yeah you know we haven't made any decisions like that before but I yeah the decision thing is hard because when you're not in charge of making the decision and you are a decision maker it's like, uh, and it's not that like I'm not <laughs> <part of the laughs> <decision>. <laughs> I want to be in control. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, any other thoughts on that, Holy Spirit? At least you're gonna say something. Maybe not. It's okay. I think it gets easier to listen to the Holy Spirit and to know what God needs you to listen to, what I need to listen to David for, all those mm-hmm. things. Um, the more you kind of settle into the place that he wants you mm-hmm. in your life and the mm-hmm. more you accept it and are really excited about it. So if he wants you working right now or at school right now, or the more that you're like, I'm a student, I'm going to be doing this. Like for me, the more that I'm like into whatever God wants me to be doing, mm-hmm. the better I can listen to the Holy Spirit, the better I can understand what God is trying to tell me because I'm content in the purpose that he has me. Yeah. 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 I also think being like so desperate to figure out, is this like being honest with the Lord? Like, is this my flesh? Is this my anxiety? Is this my heart? Like the Lord loves a humble heart. And so like sometimes those questions are good to him too. And he can guide you still. And he's sovereign no matter what we choose. That's So it's like, whether you end up in this house or that house, you go this place or that place, he's sovereign. Trust him. He's good. He'll take care of you, and he guides you, and he already knows what you're going to choose. And his ways are far better than ours. 
us, it's always good to know that, like, everything that the Spirit says, like, is always based on the Bible. Mm. Like, it's never going to be based on, like, something else. Yeah. Like, I mean, yes, it is God, and, like, he will, like, he might tell us to do something else that, like, isn't, like, spelled out in the Bible, but, like, there's so many promises in the Bible that we can read, and we can, like, memorize, and we can just kind of, like, reiterate into our heads, and then slowly, like, it's the Spirit that, like, starts to talk to us, and Mm. starts to make those promises into, like, a reality. Right. Because, like, they are a reality, and there's, like, so many lies that can, like, happen, like, when you just listen to the flesh, and you don't really know, like, what is the flesh versus, like, what is the Spirit, but, like, if Mm. you, like, read the Word of God, and ask God for help, because the Word of God is huge, like, it's so big, like, it'll take, like, a lifetime to read it, and, like, well, not a lifetime to read it, but... Sometimes I might feel like it, but, like, yeah. asking God for help to, like, actually show us what that is, and he'll be sovereign over it, he mm. says, like, like, if we seek, we will find, like, yeah. that's another promise, so if we, like, seek out truth, he will eventually show us truth if we would just be patient. Mm. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point, that the Spirit is never going to speak anything that isn't in the Bible. Like, I'm trying to think of an example, like, if you're like, the Lord is telling me to go, um, I don't know. I have a thing about this. Let me find it and I'll share it. The Lord is gonna is telling me that I should just follow my feelings and marry this person, even though I'm a Christian and they're not a Christian. Okay, no, that's actually not the spirit. Like <laughs> that's your feelings, because the spirit would tell the spirit is not gonna tell you to disobey God's word. And that's so hard to like, to like, kind of figure out because also like so many like places and acts like the spirit led people to like yeah. do like other things that weren't in the Bible. So it's really like, hard to like know that mm-hmm. like I I'm, I mean I'm not saying because I know the answers I don't know right. it, but it is definitely like another question that we can ask God yeah for sure like he has the answer for us we just need to ask him and like be desperate for it mm. and be willing to look into the word of God and not look into like our own flesh or what our own feelings and emotions say because yeah. like like my emotions are crazy and I can never trust them <laughs> me too we can me always trust too. the word of God me too yeah yeah I was like examining my emotions today I was, like, pretty, like, mediocre this morning, like, you know, just chilling, and then I got angry at something, and I got happy, and then I got back to mediocre, and I got happy, and then I got sad, Mm. and then I got happy, and I was like, what's wrong with me? (laughs) 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 Yeah, our feelings cannot be trusted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, as a teacher, that's what I have to look at every day, the moods. Yeah. Mm. And being the stabilizer. Yeah. It's so amazing. It's mm. so amazing what you can do with a kid who's escalated. I have one. I love him so much. Aww. I have to apologize. I'm like, oh, I got too escalated. Aww. Chill out one second. Escalated. And then we hug it out. It's oh, he's so cute. That's a good good word. Escalated. Okay. I have one more thing to add. So this isn't quite the one that I have saved, but it's close. We're talking about how God's voice versus Satan's voice. And it's like a comparison. Mm. God's voice calms. Satan's voice obsesses. God's voice comforts. Satan's voice worries. God's voice convicts. Satan's voice condemns. Encourages. Discourages. Enlightens. Confuses. Leads. Pushes. Reassures. Frightens. Stills. And rushes. That's good. That's really good. Like, and all of of those things are very close. Like, some of them are super, super close. Yeah. But, like... So leads and pushes. God's voice leads and Satan's voice pushes. They're both moving you forward. Yeah. But one is in confidence and one is in fear. Yeah. And you can push someone backwards. Mm. You can't really lead someone backwards. That's a great point. Yeah. Mm. You can be like, shove. If I find the one I was... (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah, Andrea, you should send that to us. Um, wow, great conversation tonight, guys. <laughs> I love, I love conversation. Yeah, we've led you off track. Yes, <laughs> back on track. Um, so this is where it gets crazy. Um, and the end of, the beginning of chapter 14, all of chapter 14, it's kind of crazy. Um, so something to remember about God is that he always uses unusual strategies to accomplish his plan. They're unusual to us because we think they're unusual. They're not unusual to him, um, because he's God. Um, so what are some things in the Bible that God does to accomplish his plan that are unusual? Burning bush. Burning bush. Abraham that's pretty... and Isaac up the hill? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Abraham and Sarah having the promised son at the age of 100. How do you do that? I don't know. Joseph gets thrown in 
prison and, uh-huh. and a pit and yeah. all the bad And then things. he's like, and then he's like, king, yeah. Yeah. Gideon defeats an army of like thousands with, with like 300 people. with three hundred men. Um, Jesus, a baby is the one that's gonna save the whole world. Yes, wow. wow. Jesus picks the outcasts to be the disciples and the leaders of the church. Zacchaeus. Yeah. Jesus heals a blind man with his spit and mud. Oh yeah, that's, that's so. Also, he tells Peter to like go fish for a fish and then reach into the fish's mouth and get a clam. Yes. <laughs> 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 he was like, Okay. Or, when he's like, or when he's like, no, no, they're not dead, they're just sleeping. And you're like, what? This when the people marched around Jericho. And yes. Fell down. And fell. Like, imagine being in Jericho and being like, these crazy people. <laughs> yeah. And then you start feeling the rumbling, like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so God is consistent in the way that he, he works unusually. Are you going to say something, Delaney? Yeah, I was going to say, like, just thinking about all of those stories, all of the people on the outside perspective were probably feeling the same things, like, yeah. the Egyptians, like, oh, this is stupid, and then what the heck is going on? Noah yeah. in the boat? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they oh, definitely gosh. thought that when the wells burned up. <laughs> <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, the outsiders are definitely like, what? Which is consistent with today, because people will yeah. be like, what do you believe? That's crazy and kind of stupid. There's no way I'm following that. But, like, that's consistent with the rest of Scripture. Those who don't believe don't always get it. Um, so, yeah, that's something about God that is consistent, that he always uses unusual un- strategies to display his glory. Um, so this is an unusual strategy. It's no shock, um, except sometimes we still have questions because it doesn't make sense to us. Um, so I'll read verses 3 through 4 real fast. Um, and this is God speaking to Moses. And he says, for Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, they are wandering in the, the land. The wilderness has shut them up, has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians sh- shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Um, so basically what God is saying here is that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart one more time. <laughs> and the Pharaoh is going to come after them. And his army is going to come and like try to get the Israelites and basically God is going to get the glory. So that's the reason of God hardening Pharaoh's heart is for his glory. And this ties in perfectly with the sermon from this week, which again, if you have not listened to the sermon, listen to it. It's so good. Um, Just a reminder that God does all things, not for, like, yes, it's for our good, but it's ultimately for his glory. He gets the glory. He does all things for him. Um, So in his perfect plan and his perfect thoughts that are way better and way far higher than our own, he saw it best to harden Pharaoh's heart again and bring the Egyptians back um, and have one last showdown um, to display his glory. Um, so remember that Egypt is like a powerhouse, right? Their, their army is huge and powerful and really like scary. So for the Israelites, seeing the Egyptians come back, this is something that's like really terrifying because Egypt is scary. And also remember they still, they have the cloud, right? We want the cloud. They have the cloud. So let's see how they react. Um, let's see. Verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, it is because there is no gra- is it because there is no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Um, so what is the response? To seeing the Egyptians. We're going to die. We're going to die. It's over. Moses, are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so thanks great. for freeing us, Moses. Now, now we're going to die. die. <laughs> like, <laughs> they being like, kind of like logical about it. They're like, oh, like this is like a smart way for us to die. Because there's no like room to like bury our dead bodies in Egypt. Yeah. So he took us out to the wilderness. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, logically thinking it through. But Moses yeah. is like, nope. You're just not right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to be, like, snarky almost. Yeah, they're like, they're like oh, this makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's easy to, it's easy to blame leaders sometimes in time of fear because they, it mentions that they cry out to the Lord, but they turn to Moses and they're like, this is your fault. <laughs> um, and so um, I do want to take this as a moment to say um, that with us transitioning as a, as a church to new leadership, it can be very easy to blame the leadership um, of Travis, of any of the leaders at Village, the elders, of maybe what 
gets hard because things might get hard or things might go really well. The Lord can be so faithful, but things might get hard at some points. And so um, I just want to encourage us to be full of grace and to be the ones that um, encourage Travis or think the best of the elders or, um, and to yes, like bring questions when you have them and when you have concerns, but also like um, when, if things ever get hard, trust that God is still good. God is still sovereign. God still has a plan and he works it all for his glory. Um, so Moses, the incredible God-fearing leader that he is, he says back to the Israelites in verse 13 and 14. Um, he says, fear not, stand firm and see that the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. Wow, what a crazy thing to say. Uh, the Lord will fight for you and you will only have to be silent. Um, so yeah, what do, what do the people do in this situation? I know it's a pretty easy question, but what are, what are they commanded to do? Be quiet. <laughs> yeah. Just like. Yeah. They're, they're committed to be quiet. So this huge army is coming towards them. Um, they're fearing for their lives. The people that just made their lives miserable are coming back to get them. Um, and Moses is like, everyone just needs to be quiet. Like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> um, and also keep in mind, they had the cloud. They had the visible representation of God with them. And they still feared. So that shows us that even if we did have that visual cloud with us, that visual sign, that leading, we would still struggle with fear. We would still struggle with anxiety. We would still not know all the decisions to make because we're human beings and we fear. Um, so Moses says, be still. Um, God is with us and he's going to do something for his glory. Um, so in verses 15 through 18, God speaks to the people. He speaks to Moses and he says, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they shall go in after them. And I will get the glory over Pharaoh and over all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord and I have gotten the glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Um, so Moses, so God comes to Moses and he's like, what's the big commotion about? Why is everyone freaking out? Everyone calm down. I'm in control. Um, and he tells Moses to take his staff. What does the staff represent for Moses? This kind of takes us back a few weeks ago. God. Yes. Yeah. The staff is Moses's basically representation of his leadership is pointless unless God is with him. He can do nothing apart from God. So basically Moses, his only job is to hold his staff and to, lift up his arms. That's it. God does the rest. Um, and God says over and over again, this is for my glory. This is for my glory. This is for my glory. Um, because the people of God, the Israelites, all they had to do is be quiet. And all they have done is complain. Like they have really done nothing good here. And God, God is truly doing this all for his glory. He's not even doing it because the Israelites are these amazing people. He's doing it because he's a promise keeping God who wants the glory and has a plan. And in that plan, the Israelites benefit um, but it's not for them. Um, so we see that the pillar of fire surrounded the people and protected them from the Egyptians. So obviously the Egyptians are not going to go through the fire. They'll mm -hmm. die. Moses stretches out his arm and a wind comes and splits the sea right in half. And the Israelites walk across on dry ground, which is crazy that like God didn't have to make the ground dry, but he makes the ground dry. So there's no denying that this is an absolute miracle. And the people crossed and I can't even like imagine how long this took for 2 million people to cross an ocean. Like, probably took all night long but um and this whole time the, the fire held the army back so the people of god are completely safe um the presence of god is holding back the, the army they're walking through the split sea um and then once everyone crosses um god tells moses to reach back up his hand and god is going to lift up the cloud and the army is going to go through the water to try to get to the people which is like a stupid move on their part like why would you do that um, and the sea closes it over Moses and his people, and they all die. And we see that God gets the glory. The Egyptian army is done for. They are proved powerless in the power of God. Um, and God gets the glory, and, it, and yeah, basically his promise is fulfilled. Um, so this shows, shows us something really important. There are only two things that happen here. Either God, God gets the glory in two ways, in two ways only. Um, he gets his glory from showing his mercy to people, or he gets his glory from showing judgment. Um, 
And throughout the Bible, that's how it is. You're either on the side of mercy or you're on the side of judgment. And that's what the gospel does, right? If you receive the gospel, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're on the side of mercy, which, praise the Lord, if you're on the side of mercy, that's where I want to be. I don't want to be on the side of judgment. If God's going to be glorified, I want him to be glorified in him showing me mercy rather than being glorified in him showing me judgment. Um, So there's only two ways um, so which way, like, do you choose, basically? Do you want it? God is going to get the glory no matter what. So is he going to get glorified in, in the mercy, or is he going to get glorified in the judgment? Um, and you're on the mercy side if you know Jesus is your Savior. Um, but tell your friends that they should be on the mercy side. Um, so yeah, only two ways. And sometimes it's hard to think of that, because it's not easy to think there's only two ways. That means my friends that haven't said yes to Jesus they're going to be judged. Like, that is so hard to think about. Or my family members that don't know Jesus, they're going to be judged. But if we ever stop thinking about that, we uh-huh. lose our fire and our passion to share the gospel. If we think, oh, uh, probably not the case, well, then we automatically stop doing our jobs. We have to share the gospel because um, there is only two sides in the last day, those who know Jesus and those who don't. And that is clear throughout the Bible. Um, and it's harsh, but it's the truth. And so we have to stay on fire. Um, so verses 30 through 31, um, it reads, thus, says the, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw that the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Oh, graphic. Um, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. Um, so last week I asked you guys how this story displayed the, the power of God. Um, and, oh, okay. Now I understand that question. So yeah, last week I, I asked you guys, basically, how do you see the power of God displayed in this story? Well, obviously this, this sea being split in two and people passing through and drag around and then it covering up the Egyptians. Um, but if we knew, um, if we had a constant awareness of the power of God, um, of his constant presence with us, what would be different about the way that you live? If you constantly knew how powerful he was and you constantly knew that he was with you, what would be different? No anxiety. No anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, no anxiety. What else? Just living just for him. Hmm. Like, not having to think about everything else because it's like, he's powerful and you. Yeah. Not having, like, I mean, worry, I'd be like, it's the biggest one, but yeah. like, yeah. just always keeping our minds on him because of just how powerful he actually yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no space in your mind for anything else. Yeah. yeah. Just worrying, not worrying about that, but like, almost. Yeah. It's like, but worry more about what he can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I feel like you go through life with a, like, a joyful confidence. Mm. Like, why do I, I don't need to, the Lord's got this. Like, yeah. If it's not what I need to do, he'll tell me. If it is what I need to do, he'll let me know. Like, we'll be fine. Right. There's no need to worry at all. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. And if you really understood the power of the Lord correctly, it would not get into the cocky mm. line mm. of confidence. Right. It would stay in the, like. The humble confidence. The humble, I, like, humble myself mm. and confident in the Lord type of thing. Yeah. You okay? No, my nose is exploding. Oh. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I was concerned. Yeah. What else would be different about your guys' life? I know that, like, the sin that I struggle with day to day would, like, look like nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it would just, I'd just be like, yeah, no, that's done. I'm done doing that, God. Like, <laughs> it's all about you now. Yeah, and I would definitely never want to sin again if I knew just how powerful he was and how great he was. Yeah, I, I made a little list as I was thinking through this, and I um, I wrote down that I would not fear anymore. I would be way more humble, like you said, Andrea, like a humble confidence. I would be way more in awe of his mercy towards me. Because, like, once you realize how powerful he is, it's like, wait, why are you merciful towards me? You're so powerful. He likes me. Yeah. How do you like me? What? Um, I would think of myself way less. I would probably cry all the time. You cry? Already? Yeah, no, I would would cry way more than I already do. Um, And I said my sin would look like nothing and I'd never want to sin again. Um, 
And obviously I have a million things to grow in and a million more years to fully understand the greatness and holiness of God. But truly, when you dedicate yourself to studying the word, to memorizing scripture, to praying to the Lord, to asking him to reveal his power to you, it happens. Like your fear shrinks, um, your sin shrinks, and your love for him grows. And so like, we will never fully understand the power of the Lord until we are standing before him in heaven, face to face, um, in the most wonderful place. But until then, we have this amazing opportunity to learn more of his power, his greatness, his majesty, his love, his mercy, and that will change your life. Um, so remember him, basically, is my plea for you guys, is just to, to remember him. And um, let's jump back to chapter 13, um, verse 16. Um, this is God saying, like, remember, remember, remember. And then he says, it shall be as a mark on your hand, or frontlets between your eyes, for a strong hand of the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Um, a frontlet is like a little piece of jewelry hanging down that like you constantly see in between your eyes. Um, so make God so present in your life that he's like written on your hand, or he's like a dangly piece of jewelry between your eyes. Um, do whatever you got to do to make him the, the center, to make it impossible for you to forget. Um, and if you're in the word daily, if you're pleading with him, if you're praying to him, if you're walking with him, his power will become greater in your life and it will change everything. Um, and I see it so much in you guys, like truly, so many of you guys are walking so closely with the Lord and I just, I see it. Like the things that you walk through, um, you, walk through the, you walk through them in a way that only the Lord can allow you to walk through because you know him. And that is only going to get better with time too. Like if it's good now, it's going to be even better if you stay with it too. Um, so yeah, God is faithful. He is with you. He does all things for his glory and for his glory alone. And that is all I have. Um, so let's pray and then we will pray again. <laughs> um, all right, I'll pray for us. Um, uh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, um, it's hard to wrap my mind around the fact that the same God, uh, that you are the same God that is in the story in Exodus and the same God who we're talking to right now Um that the story of you splitting the sea and saving the people of Israel and displaying your glory, it's not just a story, that it's something that really happened and you're a God who really does those things. Um, God, would you make us in awe of who you are this week? Would it change the way that we talk to people, the way that we work, the way that we think about ourselves and the way that we think of others? Lord, would you just transform our minds? And I, I just pray that you'd be with every single one of these women this week. Would your presence be known to them? Would they feel like they had a cloud with them just because your Holy Spirit is so at work in them? Um, Lord, remind us that you're with us. Remind us that we need you. And would you bind us to you, Lord, because um, we wander and we forget. Um, but help us remember and help us stay tethered to you, um, just like we're chained to you, but in the best way. Um, and Lord, we love you. And I know I want to love you better, but I fail all the time. And I just pray that you'd teach us and guide us just like you guided the Israelites um, and to love you better. And would we not forget as much as they forgot? <laughs> um, Lord, we love you and we trust you. Um, in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.